What's the game-changing realization that helped you build a high-performing team? That question is at the center of every episode of the HR Impact Show. Every HR professional wants to build a team that has empowered managers, engaged employees, and an organization that's striving to become elite. The challenge is that you're often told to do more with less. We're gonna fix that. Every week, we will feature executive and senior HR leaders from across the country, and they will share with us their actionable insights and best practices that can help empower you to create an engaged elite workforce. Here's the show. And welcome to the HR Impact Show. My name is CT and I'm your host for today. Today, we're going to be talking about how do you co-create an environment and a culture that can help empower and engage your team and your organization. To discuss this topic with us today in the studio is Anu Mandapati. Anu is the Global Head of Culture and Inclusion at Magic Leap, and it's such a pleasure to have her here with us in the studio. Welcome, Anu. Thank you. I'm so glad to be here. Anu, would you be able to share a little bit more about what Magic Leap does and what your role is within the organization? Absolutely. So Magic Leap is an augmented reality technology company. And so we're really focused on immersive experiences and really pushing things to the next level. For example, in healthcare, we have a product called the ML2, so Magic Leap 2. And it is a device that you're able to use in conjunction with specific software. So we have one organization who's used it to help train surgeons to do specialized spine surgeries. So we are the only um, product that's actually able to go into operating rooms as well. So it's really looking at limits and busting those limits. That's one of the ways that I take a look at it. And so it's really being able to advance what we're able to, to do in our typical day-to-day jobs. And so it's used in a variety of organizations, and that's just one example. So my remit, what I focus on at Magically, is I'm the global head of culture and inclusion. So really making sure that we are creating a culture where people feel valued, celebrated, appreciated, that they're able to have the employee experience that, that they need and that they desire to really be able to have this be one, one amazing experience and part of their entire career journey. So we focus on the employee experience as far as the culture aspect of it and also the inclusion experience. So what are we doing to really make sure that we are focusing on equity, on inclusion, on belonging, as well as diversity? It's awesome. And within this role, what's one achievement that you're most proud of? As soon as I started within the first few months, I've been at Magic Leap for a year and a half. And one of the things that I did is to make sure that we did a listening tour for the first three months to really understand the state of diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. And we created our first ever global DEIB strategy, um, a maturity model to really look at where is the organization, where do we want to be in specific steps to move us forward. And then we actually released internally our transparency report. So that was a big deal in our organization for where the maturity of the organization is. That's awesome. And for you personally, what is one moonshot goal that you have for the next 12 months? I won't even say 12 months, but when I think about what augmented reality can do and what immersive learning experiences do, So whenever there's immersive learning experiences, this is where we can actually see the sustainment of learning, the amplification of learning. And so when we actually take immersive learning experiences and DEI together and put those together, we've seen with virtual reality that learning sticks two years out, especially because I'm in an augmented reality tech company, taking that and then partnering that with learning, I I think that the future is limitless. And so that is my moonshot goal. I think simulators for all kinds of learning, 
being able to immerse yourself in the simulator environment and learn from that is, is so powerful. What is one leadership or HR myth that you wish would go away? When it comes to culture, when it comes to anything within an organization, I think people feel like they have to go at it alone and they don't. It is a partnership and we're all in this together. And when we are in this together, this is how we're able to actually drive change faster and in a more sustainable way. Re replacing the focus on that Superman mentality and superhero yes. mentality and like, like how do we work best as a team? And that's really relevant to the meat of what we're talking today because we're, we're going to be talking about how do we co-create this culture and that responsibility that lies not just with the leadership or with HR, but but really every single one on the team. So talk through with me a little bit uh, of that perspective and that approach that you've taken to this area. Whenever I think about any goal, any way that we want to experience culture within an organization, we could be focusing on diversity, equity, inclusion, belonging. We could be focusing on the overall culture as well. Everybody has to have shared responsibility. We have the opportunity. It's an invitation. Sometimes you hear in organizations, people talk about being a culture carrier. What that is saying is that some one person is setting the culture, or maybe it's your executive team, and then everyone else is expected to carry that culture. But instead, if we actually focus on culture co-creation or even anything that we're doing, if we do it in partnership with each other, then everyone actually has shared responsibility. It's the person who might be making sure that everyone's badging in into the office. It, it could be anyone who's middle management. It could be the CEO. It doesn't matter. Everyone has responsibility. And so their actions, whatever they may do or not do, will actually contribute to that culture, to that. So the co-creation piece of it is knowing that what I do matters. And so what everyone around us, what they do matters. And so when we feel like our actions matter, we're more likely to be engaged and then really focus on what's that common goal so we can come together to move that forward. And in, in, in a variety of companies, what I've seen when we embrace that kind of approach and way that we collaborate together, that's actually how we're successful in any initiatives, in any goals for organization or specific teams. So that approach is on one hand, very empowering, but on the other hand, the, the, the change management around that could also be tricky because I can imagine that if, if your employees are not already engaged and if individuals uh, within the team are not engaged, they might start to see this as, oh, my leaders are just abdicating responsibility. Suddenly, suddenly this is on me now, like everything's on me. Have you encountered that? Like, how do you initiate this conversation within an organization? So let's say we look at a team level. At the team level, we have a conversation about what do we want our team experience to be? What is our What are our team goals that we want to achieve? And as we talk about that, it's not a few individuals deciding what that is. It's it's the team coming together so they have a say. So we're inviting them to, to speak up. I want to hear your voice. What you say matters. It doesn't mean that we agree on everything that everybody says, because obviously we have to be able to drive things forward. But if the team can come together and hold each other responsible, so we're coming up with very clear outcomes and goals of what we want to achieve. How is it that we want to show up and act towards one another? So ways of working. And if we agree to that, we're able to support one another when things aren't going well. We're also able to hold each other accountable. And what starts to shift is what I've seen is it's not just a leadership. If there's a challenge, it's not just a leadership issue. There's a challenge on our team. So we are going to actually figure it out together. We are going to come up with the decision. 
and we are going to come up with a solution. And so what I see is instead of people feeling like there's more on their plate, they're actually excited. They're re-energized. They're empowered because now there's that shared responsibility and what they say, what they think, their voice actually matters more. So I see it going towards the other side. And it's a great way for disengaged employees to feel connected again because you want them to feel connected at that organizational level, but you want them to feel connected to that team level too. That's where they're going to be spending more of their time is at that team level. So day-to-day interactions will actually be able to impact satisfaction scores. Will it be able to impact retention too, for example? I agree with you. And I think this depends very heavily on the leader or the facilitator who is running these conversations because there has to be that level of authenticity that that comes through that I really do want your opinions. And I think one of the tricky things that that needs to be managed that I've come across is not every opinion can be taken into consideration, taken into consideration maybe, but not not every opinion can be acted on. And mm-hmm. have you seen a need to to coach and train leaders to be able to have these generative conversations with their team? Absolutely. And I think what it is, is we want to brainstorm ideas. We want to be able to ideate. It doesn't, there's no way that there's eight people on a team. We can't go in eight separate directions. So it's about how do we provide this environment? So in improv, there's an activity where they do where it's yes and. So how do we yes and each other instead of no but one another, right? So we don't shut down ideas. We create an environment where people are able to create, share what their thoughts are. And then as a team, how do we take what we have downsize this exorbitant list of ideas, downsize that to the top three or five, and then let's vote on it and let's move forward together. And then what starts to happen is your individual voice is important. Our team voice is more important. And if you have that environment where you know that you are valued, it's okay, whatever, as a team, we decide to move forward because I know that I am respected, I am valued, I am I'm appreciated. So I think the team is able to, to coach itself and it actually takes away, there's less that the leader actually has to do in this case. Because in, if it's more of a leader says A, B, or C, and that's how we move forward, everything stops at this person. So they make the decisions. They are the ones who ideate. I, don't, I can take a step back because it doesn't matter what I say. If we're all in this together and we're co-creating, then my voice is also important. And so we may as a team, not as an individual you know, leader or just an individual person on the team, but the entire team as a group is going to decide how do we move forward together. And so we actually, what I see, I'm also a team effectiveness coach. And what I see is that this drives results. Just you get there much faster. And the way most teams work, only about 12% of teams describe themselves as high performing. That's a really low number. And so when we're co-creating, that skyrockets. This is a team that's actually able to execute. They get results. They are known for their results and they're having fun. They're enjoying what they're doing and being with one another. So it's the productivity piece is happening and then the culture piece is happening too. And that's what's actually going to drive results and impact faster. What you've described is very much the holy grail right? in both in leadership and in HR. This is the ideal. Like we would love the team to do this. And I'm curious, do you find that there is a specific time in the life cycle of a team that it makes sense to do something like this? Because I'm thinking through, there are a couple of teams within organizations. There's your intact teams, which are like highly focused on a specific objective, like a project or something, they come together for a couple of months. And then after that, they're, they disband and move on. But then there are other teams that are 
their operations. It, this is something that happens all the time. So people come and go. And the, the Tuckman model of forming, storming, norming, performing doesn't always happen in like operational teams because they're just there all the time. So do you find mm-hmm. that this idea of co-creation is something that needs to be refreshed every quarter? Or do you feel like this is something that you can do once and guide behaviors for the whole life cycle of that team? Mm-hmm. I, I definitely think it's something that you do more regularly. It's not a one and done because sometimes you have team members leave and new team members join. And it's also as a refresher. So where, when are we checking the status of how are we doing? When it comes to, we give project updates. Are we actually taking the same amount of time to focus on team updates? So this is what we committed to. And how have we been doing this past quarter? What do we want to continue doing? So maybe a stop, start, continue exercise. What do we want to stop doing? And then what do we need to begin doing? And I think having that type of, a lot of people do retrospectives after a project is done. So post-mortem, how how did it go? What needs to be different next time we do this? We do it so well when it comes to projects and goals and outcomes based on organizational business needs. This needs to be a part of that as well. So the more that we're talking about this, it has to be a regular conversation because what's out of sight is out of mind and we never revisit it again. And then that's actually where communication, that's where productivity, all of this stuff can be negatively impacted. And I don't think that there is a specific cadence. I think the team decides that. So is this something that if we're on an ops team, is this something that we do every three months as a team, we come together? If it's a project-based team, I definitely think for both of those scenarios at the very beginning, as you start to scope out your work, this is a part of the conversation. This is actually what's going to be able to help teams get, get to their outcomes even faster. So I think it's important for both, but that cadence of conversations, I think the team needs to decide because it is very situation specific. Wow. It's been a great conversation so far. Make sure you join the HR Impact Community where we gather a community of HR leaders just like you. This is a space where top people leaders share actionable insights and practical playbooks. Sign up today as a member for the community. Get updates on the latest HR resources and exclusive event invites. You can join the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR impact. And now back to the show. And who do you think is well-placed to initiate these conversations? I think in the very beginning, the team leader has a conversation and then it's As a team, let's decide if we're having these conversations every three months, it doesn't have to be the team leader who has this conversation or who drives it. You could actually be members of the team because, again, we want this to be co-created. It cannot land just on the shoulders of the team leader. It can get started that way. And then we all come together and decide this is the shared responsibility again. So I think start with the team leader, but then the team members have to continue. And the team leader is a part of the team. So this person's also a team member. Say I'm a team leader and I'm, I, I've just taken over a team or I've, I've just started building my team. What would you recommend as some of the first actions or questions that I pose to the team such that I can nudge them in this direction and to show them that I'm serious about mm-hmm. this idea of co-creation and I'm not just saying one thing in a spa day and then doing something when we get back to regular operations. I think it's taking a step back, really. And what's the vision for this team? What What is it that we want to achieve? And then that's already, that's typically set because you've got some business goals and outcomes. So I think it's communicating that here's what we're working towards. Now let's actually talk about ways of working together. So as a team, 
I'm going to be bringing us all together and we're going to have a conversation about ways of working. So think about what you individually need and what do we as a team need? And then we can start discussing how we can all show up for one another in that way to make sure that we achieve our outcomes. So you're prefacing what's about to come so people can start thinking about it. So then when you have this conversation, it's the team coming together, deciding here's what we need to do and here's how we hold each other accountable if we're not doing it. So the difference in this is in a team member, so I'm going to go back to the number eight. So there's eight team members. You may have two team members who are disconnected. So what is the team going to say about how we bring these people back together? It's not about shame, blame, evaluation, or judgment. What it is, what do we say? And it could be something as simple as a code word. I've had teams who say this. So if we say bananas, that means not everyone's paying attention. We've got to reconnect. Maybe we all need to take a break for five minutes, get re-energized and jump right back in. And so it's a way for people to stay connected. We are human beings. We're going to have things weighing on us from outside of work, right? Everything is interconnected and there may be things that are off. So even as a team member coming in saying, hey, I'm having an off day. So I need a little bit of grace and space today. Fantastic. We're here for you. So you have a clear goal. You discuss the ways of working, and now you know how to support one another too. So at the individual level, but also as a team. And the other thing about the team piece of it is, so let's just say that one of our ways of working is making sure that everyone participates. So if someone isn't participating, instead of just saying, CT, you're not participating, what's going on? We can say one of our group agreements, one of our team agreements is that we all want to hear each other's voice. We all want to hear different ideas and opinions. So we really want to invite people who haven't spoken up yet to do that. So you're not pointing fingers and singling anyone out, but you're referring back to here's the team agreement we made. And so let's honor that and create some space. And the more teams start to practice, practice is what's going to lead to progress. We're not looking for perfection. So the more teams start to practice this, it's going to become easier for them to do. And then we can also help hold each other accountable and support one another. If someone is singling someone out, it's not everyone's going to appreciate that. Some people are okay with it. Some people might take a step back. They might get disengaged. So having these conversations this way, it, it puts the onus that that responsibility is on the team's shoulders, not just one person who's driving, the, who's leading the meeting, for example. That's a really nuanced way of operating. And I, I was just thinking through, if we're referring back, for example, to team covenants, team agreements, and inviting people to come in, do you feel like there's a very fine line that needs to be treaded between that kind of mature inclusivity versus a little bit of that passive aggression, which people sometimes show at work and we're all human beings. And so we, it just comes out maybe wrong one day and that kind of gets people annoyed. Have you seen how leaders like manage this or how individual team members as well, like how do they manage this? When teams start to practice the commitment to ways of working, the reminders, sometimes the nudges of here's what we agreed to, when there's actually conflict, like little things that are annoying or even greater conflicts than that, we actually label that as constructive interaction. So how can you engage in a conversation, in a dialogue when there's completely opposing views and, and still have it be a productive environment? I think about feedback. If someone's giving constructive feedback, I could take that in a personal way where it's not about my behavior or my actions. It's about who I am. 
Or I can take that about maybe in this situation, the action I took didn't really give the result that I wanted. So I think that there are individual coaching moments here. If someone's taking something really personally, if someone's being really passive aggressive or inappropriate and needs a little bit of a timeout and some coaching with their leader like that, that absolutely we do. But I think for the most part, when we're actually engaged in here are our team agreements, this is what we all committed to, not three of us, but the entire team of eight has committed to, then again, that shared responsibility of I matter to this team. So my actions matter of how I show up matters. So when we're engaged in some sort of conflict, it actually turns into a constructive interaction. We actually are able to have healthy dialogue and best, the most high performing teams, they actually are able to navigate conflict very well. And it's because the more time that you're spending together and you know what those parameters are, you know what you're committed to, you actually show up a little differently. So maybe I'm giving you a little bit of uh, positive intent when, when you may have said something and I didn't know how to take it. Instead of assuming, I'm going to actually ask you, can you tell me exactly like what you meant by that? As opposed to making that assumption and then turning it into an unhealthy conflict, we can have a healthy conversation around it. Yeah, I think that's so important. Being able to to separate out, there's this personal ego that all of us bring and lug along with us to work. But at the same time, like when you put that aside and focus on the team, actually, then things become a lot more productive and, and we can have an adult mature conversation about issues. Do you think that there are differences between how this, this plays out for teams that are in person in an office together versus teams that are remote, distributed, or hybrid? It absolutely can, and it does also does not need to be. So every team, whether it's a, a hybrid version where some are remote and some are in person, or if it's completely distributed teams, I've been on all of the above, and I've also had very successful team conversations and relationships, and we were able to execute too. So I think it's, again, it's when we have a meeting, so a framework of, I, I always go back to the framework of no feel and do. You know, if I'm in a meeting, what do we want people to know? What do we want them to feel? What do we want them to do? That helps me come into a meeting to know what it is that I'm going to say, what it is that I, that I want to achieve. I need to actually think about how people are feeling and how my response. So if I want someone to feel that they're inclusive in the conversation, I know what my clear actions will be. I want to ask them what their thoughts are, what, their, what do they think about how we want to move forward. If I want them to feel really confident, I want to make sure that they're confident in the direction that we're heading. So I'm going to ask them, what other questions might you have? I want to make sure that I address all of those objections and questions. And so you have the clarity that you need. So I think that there's small things like that that we can actually do. And it's really, again, checking in with people and asking them the questions that are most that are most important that are in our head, but that we don't actually typically ask. So for example, on a lot of employee engagement surveys, we may actually see questions or not even question statements. Do you agree or disagree that my company is diverse or my company is inclusive? And, and especially when you have a larger organization and you're trying to, to really understand sentiment, that can be a helpful statement to receive information on. But especially if I'm working with a smaller team, I don't ask people yes or no questions. I'm going to ask them, how do you feel included and how do you feel excluded? And so when I'm doing that, I'm going to get just information that's so much richer. And so I, I'm and, and then I know what actions that I need to take. So I, I think with in any of these models, whether it's hybrid, whether it's completely in person or whether it's completely remote, 
when we're having conversations, we want to make sure we're asking the right questions so we can create the right environment to be able to produce the results that we want. I, I like that. Focus very much on knowing, feeling, and, and, and no feel and do. do. I think that that framework actually works really well when thinking about the team dynamics and, and pulling everybody together. If you could summarize all of this to anyone who works in a team and how they could build a little bit more of this co-creation of culture, how would you summarize it for them? I would say that your voice matters. So do everyone else's on the team. So what's the experience that you want to have to be able to get the results that we want to achieve? So let's just, we're having a conversation to figure out what that is. So to summarize it, what do we want that experience to look like? What are we committing to? How do we hold each other accountable and how do we support one another? And it's having these open conversations that's going to get us the results that we want. And we're not talking about just the business outcomes. We're actually talking about the employee experience, how we want to experience our workplaces, how our team interactions to get to those results. Very cool. And very much the, the destination, the journey itself together is the destination. You're journeying together as a team, but at the same time, while the outcomes are important, that experience is in itself valuable and we need to think that way. This is such a great conversation. If people wanted to find you to continue this conversation, what's the best way for them to do? Yeah, LinkedIn is the best place to reach out to me and I'm more than happy to connect. Thanks so much for hanging with us today, Anu. And for those of you who are listening, I hope you enjoyed the show. Head on over to www.engagerocket.co slash hrimpact, all one word, to find the show notes, to be able to download this show and to get more insights and more from our community within that page. Thank you so much for being with us today, everyone. And my name has been CT. Hope you enjoyed this. Thanks for listening. Thanks for listening to this episode of the HR Impact Show. We hope you liked the conversation. Don't forget to continue supporting us by joining the HR Impact community. You can find the community at www.engagerocket.co slash HR Impact. Tune in next time where we'll have another guest who's going to share with us the game-changing insights that help them build high-performing teams.